Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to The China Guy after a long hiatus. Very excited to be bringing you some new content about Chinese history. We've got a great new topic today, but before we begin, a quick state of the podcast message. Next fall, I plan on attending graduate school and pursuing a PhD in Chinese history. So over the recent hiatus, I was busy with application writing, emailing, and general anxiety over deadlines. Thankfully, we have arrived in the new year in one piece, and I'm looking forward to continuing this podcast. I'll keep you updated on my graduate school plans and where I'll be going this year. Now, back to brass tacks. Pirates, prostitutes, unpronounceable names. Have I got your attention? Our topic today is Cheng Si, the proclaimed pirate queen of China, who rose from humble beginnings as a prostitute to become one of the most infamous and powerful women in modern Chinese history as admiral of the Red Flag Fleet, a pirate armada that became the bane of the Chinese, British, and Portuguese governments. If you've seen the highly underrated third Pirates of the Caribbean movie, Dead Man's Chest, you're familiar with Cheng Si, where she is portrayed as one of the pirate lords that Jack Sparrow convenes with during the end of the film. While her portrayal in this film is not exactly historical, it is interesting to see her get some screen time. I'm always a fan of seeing obscure historical figures in film. Born in Guangdong in 1775, Cheng Si became a prostitute in the city of Canton, now known as Guangzhou, one of the largest cities in southern China. She quickly met and married notorious pirate Cheng Yi, who also commanded the Red Flag Fleet, a collection of Chinese pirates that terrorized southern China in the late 18th century. After their marriage in 1801, it is said that Cheng Si participated fully in her husband's piracy and was an important part of the Red Flag Fleet. However, this romantic pirate love did not last long, and Cheng Yi died a few years after their marriage. Cheng Si's name, interestingly, actually means Widow of Cheng, showing how this relationship catapulted her into power. Cheng Si sought to gain control of the Red Flag Fleet, but it wasn't all smooth sailing at first. Cheng Yi had an adoptive son named Cheng Po Tsai, and wouldn't you know it, Po Tsai was also the late Pirate Lord's lover. This leads us into a fascinating eccentricity of Chinese culture in the 19th century called adult adoption. In this practice, powerful, wealthy men would adopt their male lover as their son. As strange as this practice may seem, it allowed these elite men to pass their inheritance along to their lover by giving them a kinship bond that they could not obtain through other means. It gets better. To get around this pesky inheritance law, Cheng Si actually became Po Tsai's new lover and used her connection to him to control the Red Flag fleet. Game of Thrones has nothing on Chinese history. Once Cheng Si gained control of the Red Flag fleet, she commanded one of the largest and most impressive fleets of any kind ever assembled. Robert Glasspool, an East India Company employee captured by Cheng Si in 1809, gave a detailed account of the fleet. He estimated Cheng Si commanded nearly 80,000 pirates and sailed with a thousand large Chinese-style junks and at least 800 smaller junks and rowboats. Commanding such a large collection of ruffians was difficult, but Cheng Si enforced a strict code in her fleet. If a pirate disobeyed any order or attempted to give his own orders, 
he would immediately be beheaded in front of his crew. This strict code also extended to dealing with women and gender. As a band of outlaws and ruffians, kidnapping and taking prisoners were common activities in the Red Flag Fleet. But Chungsa had very specific rules on how these women were to be treated. All female prisoners were divided into two groups, attractive and unattractive. The unattractive women were abandoned ashore and the attractive women were collected on board. Once the pirates weeded out the women they found unattractive, the remaining women were auctioned off to the crew or other interested parties. There were strict rules regarding these women. If a man raped a female captive, he was put to death immediately. However, this doesn't seem to be about protecting the women, but instead a desire to protect the economic investment the women represented. Similarly, if consensual sex occurred between a pirate and a captive woman, they were both executed. Once a woman was sold, the man who purchased her was required by the code to remain faithful to that woman under penalty of, you guessed it, death. These pirates were not a forgiving group. These laws present an interesting puzzle for the feminist historian, which I consider myself to be. While on the surface they appeared to protect the captive women, the harsh laws for consensual sex suggest that the true desire was to protect the monetary value the women earned for the fleet. Chungsa's leadership of the Red Flag Fleet further complicates this issue because she was the source of these laws and actively benefited from the enslavement of these women. She makes an interesting historical character as a female pirate, but she makes a poor standard bearer for women's empowerment. Chungsa's leadership of the fleet did not last long, and after only three years of piracy, she was given an offer of full amnesty from the Qing government if she would renounce her piracy and return to mainland China. The pirate queen took the deal and retired, living out her days quietly in, Ch in southern China, where she died a grandmother at the fine age of 69. I am sure those grandchildren heard some wild stories. One of the most fascinating female characters in Chinese history, Chengzi had an undeniably violent and cruel life. From a feminist perspective, she asserted herself in a manly profession, went toe-to-toe -to -toe with fleets and empires, and quit while she was ahead. She did all of these things simply as an individual, and while she embodied female strength and empowerment, she also exploited women and showed little sympathy for anyone in her way, making her a challenging figure to write about. The only thing that can be said with certainty was that she and her story are truly unforgettable. That's all for today, folks, but thanks for tuning in, and I will be coming at you guys with a new topic in the next few weeks. I've got some travel to Beijing coming up, but hopefully I can push a new episode out before that time. Until next time, this has been The China Guy.